Welcome to Dana Delivers by Aprio Podcast, the podcast that helps restaurant owners and operators learn from industry experts about trends and opportunities. On every episode, Dana Zukowski, the leader of Aprio's restaurant advisory team, explores a topic impacting our industry in a candid conversation. And now, let's hear what Dana is serving up on this episode. Well, Thank you so much. Today we have with us Chris Johnson, the CEO and owner of Racks and Restaurant Group. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dana. And as we spoke about before, I always like to start my podcast with the first time I meet the person. And Chris and I met for the first time. We were introduced from Steve Schmidt at Profit Builders indirectly. And we met at the Smith and we both, I think the reason we became friends was we were both at the time going through very hard personal stuff with our families and our parents. And I think we spent more time talking about that than business. And from that point on, I said, I think we're going to be friends. And then the pandemic hit. And then we did Zoom calls once a week. And then here we are coming out stronger and better. So thank you. those Zoom calls were one of my favorite parts of the pandemic. Right? I know. I It was me and you and Doug Gatlin really gets most of the credit for starting it, but it really helped us to understand what was going on throughout everyone's businesses just by talking to the same people every week of and getting that structure. And I guess that's kind of why I like doing the podcast now is it gives us a way to have those conversations and let other people hear because... I think we're all Zoom fatigued. And if someone told me I had a weekly Zoom call, I'd tell them, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining though. So let's kind of talk about coming out of pandemic. We're all doing our best. We're all trying to figure out how to grow and do better at what we were doing before and take lessons learned. So less any lessons learned from the past two years that you guys have been using whether it be with the space you're using, with how you're using your space, your sales, anything like that? Dana, it's, um, you know, I think obviously everyone talks about staffing. Everybody talks about input costs are going up. Everyone talks about consumer behaviors changing. And I'm happy to dive into any of those. But I think the the lesson that I've taken post-pandemic is you have to move faster and you know we just don't have the luxury anymore of having you know all the data all the information and i know that sounds hokey because everyone says (laughs) things are moving so fast but but really truly if you look at you know delivery went from at least for my business you know under four percent and then that the height of the pandemic was above 20% and you know now it's settled somewhere in the in the in the low teens but it recently flipped to actually being somewhat profitable i mean it's just how much our business has changed in 24 months and it will change even more over the next 12 to 24 months people brand marketing pricing this that i uh, just got to you got to hustle and keep it moving and I didn't say in the introduction, but at Raxon Restaurant Group, you guys are in the Burger King brand and to also Dave's Hot Chicken. So you're really getting an opportunity to see what's happening from both legacy brands and new brands. What 
having been in the Burger King business so long, what made you look at a newer brand, a growth brand, as opposed to a legacy brand as you were growing your business? So, so it was a balance of how do we grow the business with the infrastructure that uh, that we've that we've created, and you know I think part of it, you know, we got into Dave's uh, just a few months ago, right? So post pandemic. So going back to what I just said about how the business has changed so much, if I go back five years ago to build a new Burger King restaurant, you know, find a property on the corner of Maine and Maine with the ability to do a drive-through, albeit not easy, was pretty straightforward. And then, you know, drive-throughs became, you know, the darling of the QSR industry post-pandemic as such, the ability to find sites and then be able to afford those sites has changed. And then, so what we were looking at for a second brand is before we jump in to another QSR that's competing for that same site on the corner of Maine and Maine, can we find a concept that would work in an end cap, in an inline, um, you know, we're looking at some things that were actually off the, you know, off of Main Street and maybe behind Main Street. Um, the pandemic opened up our consideration set and through all that work and discussion, uh, Dave's emerged as a very compelling opportunity for us for a second brand. Right. And as you're talking about that real estate, are you looking at real estate like that for both brands or do you think that it's really just where there's name recognition and obviously that helps, but even with a legacy brand, do you think that going in a in a non-traditional main and main corner is still going to be okay because of what you said, the delivery, the the not eat in? I don't think so, Dana. And I'm happy okay. to tell you, you know, I make more mistakes than I than I make, um, you know, make right decisions. And so, uh, we took a flyer on something like that with uh, with Burger King putting a site off <clears throat> Main and Main, and thought the trend and delivery would. Uh, would would make that a success. And what 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 it showed me was the consumer looking for McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's is still looking for convenience. And a lot of their shopping is on, you know, their their uh, pathway of their normal day-to-day -day routines. And um, so as such, if you're off of that, um, the amount of business you get from delivery or them kind of seeking you out on an app to have that food sent to you. Uh, can offset the, uh, the the magnitude of traffic coming from uh, coming from convenience. Oh, interesting. And like you said before, that you make you've made mistakes, like we said earlier, right? We're here to not be the smartest, but learn from our mistakes so you don't make them again. More importantly, we're growing. You're moving into new markets. You are looking at new brands and new strategy and all that kind of stuff. What else helpful hit? So, the other thing I like about your business is the Dave's Head Chicken I know are going more in suburban markets, kind of like yeah. not on main and main, but behind. You're also in urban markets. You have a Burger King in Manhattan. Could you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in urban market? Yeah, and I actually would love to tell you more about the rural markets where we operate, but urban, you know, um, going back to some of the first times that you and I met, Mm -hmm. um, or we're interacting and everyone would look at, oh my God, I can't believe you operate in Los Angeles or New York or, you know, Chicago and minimum wage is going up and how are you ever going to be able to support that? And that was in 2017, 2018. And we figured it out. 
And so, yes, we're seeing, you know, rising wages in urban markets, but what I have found anecdotally, um, those team members have been a lot stickier um, and are used to, um, you know, the commute or this and that, and, you know, I've stayed with the businesses. On the flip side, <clears throat> suburban and even rural, uh, what the uh, kind of post-pandemic world has has given them is, you know, big, big uh, short-term increases in wages, and then also optionality uh, that they didn't have before, whether it be, you know, the gig economy or, you know, Amazon distribution centers opening and whatnot. So it's been really fascinating, Dana, for me that um, it's just completely changed the calculus. You know, rural markets, you'd have someone who lived down the street and you employed all the kids in the community and you kind of had a steady eddy business. Now it's very tough to find people in those markets. And <clears throat> those people have had, you know, found very different careers elsewhere. Whereas the urban markets, I think somewhat ironically, uh, we've been able to keep, you know, some of our great people mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and still doing it at, you know, albeit high wages, but still doing it and being able to make a profit and keep everybody happy. Right. And what about with the consumer? Yeah, the consumer, I think it's, it's, you know, the options, right, available. Mm -hmm. So again, in kind of the, you know, rural or suburban, you know, previously you got to get in a car and, you know, just go pick up, pick up your food and you have a choice of two or three places now. Yeah. You know, everyone within a certain mile radius delivers to you. So it'll be maybe consumer behavior isn't such you're going to order food in every day, but those occasions you now have uh, a lot more competition than when you used to have. The urban markets, again, the irony is that the pandemic put some people out of business um, and you don't have commuters who are coming in uh, to the city anymore. So some of those uh, competitors just haven't reopened. And um, so, albeit operating in urban environment hasn't been great the recovery has been very different um or the post-pandemic world's been very different than what we see in the suburbs and the rural markets awesome and maybe right i guess we'll wait and see what happens yeah. next with the urban yeah that's like i said that's why it's just move faster right okay. you know it's like we can't we can't sit there and say well you know, here's what would happen in the past day. And I know you've heard heard this from, you know, your audit days. That okay. store is down 25% in sales because of road construction. And, you know, let's normalize it on a, uh, you know, on a three-year basis and we'll come out with something. Well, now, no, it's not coming back because there's something else that's going to happen in the next 12 months, right? right. That's going to change it. Or the road construction made somebody make a left instead of a right, and now they found their new restaurant and they don't need to mm -hmm. go to what they always went to. No, I agree, right? There's not, you can't move fast enough. And as soon as you think you are, it's too late. But even what you were just saying with the normalizing the numbers, as we're even looking at valuations now of different companies that are looking to buy and sell, and be like, well, could we normalize because of COVID? Well, could we normalize because of this? And we're like, we, Yes, and we're going through it and we're doing it, but just the conversations are so, when you really listen, kind of silly, some of them, right? Because some people did so great during COVID. So if you want to really normalize it, might not help the way you thought it was going to. Yeah, so, absolutely. That's that. What else is going on that we could talk about that you want to share about 
what you're thinking is going on or anything you've been hearing overly exciting? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, been very top of mind for us as of late is the rollover of stimulus. And uh-huh. so, you know, let's let's go back, you know, again, 2019, normal year, 2020, we all know it happened. Um, you know, then 2021, um, stimulus. And so, you know, what did that do to people's businesses? And so, you know, we're seeing that across the board and some markets are just kind of getting by it and other markets have been unfavorably impacted. The stimulus is really hard rollover. So uh, we know what the Fed did. What's the local government going to do Mm -hmm. um, as things change? And I, you know, again, I think I would have said, no, that would never, ever happen. And then now, you know, everything is possible. And so is it possible that, you know, local municipalities have to come in and do something? to help some businesses um, or, you know, pump some money into, into economies or give tax breaks for new businesses okay. to come in. I mean, I think all of it, all of it is open uh, for consideration at this point. So that that's something I hope your listeners uh, can maybe take from this and look at your businesses and see how stimulus favorably or unfavorably impacted, uh, impacted things. Right. And even some of the stimulus money that came to the businesses where people were so excited. I just hung up the phone with someone else a year ago about, oh, we have such a strong balance sheet and we're doing so great. And then it was also because the managers were working and then they had lower payroll and all that. And now all of a sudden the crowds might not have come back. They wanted, and now there's not such strong balance sheets or some people might've accidentally used their money for something they weren't supposed to. Not that anyone listening is those people, but there's also, right, sometimes a little personal responsibility that now you're, people are like, uh-oh, now what? Yeah. It's just, right, we'll see what happens. And what else is going on in the, your world? Marketing, sales, all that kind of stuff? What are, are there things we're doing that you're seeing? Again, I know we can talk about the Burger King system directly, but just any trends you've been seeing or anything exciting as you're in different markets? I was reading something this morning, I think it was from Restaurant Business Online, just a blurb shared it with my team, but it was, you know, the point was um, the um, the labor pool for restaurants uh-huh. has been, you know, permanently, permanently uh, reduced, right? And so I think we all, we all know that, but um, think about it, right? If you had a restaurant, you had 40 people and you've been kind of clawing to get by with you know 25 people or 20 people and we're all like it's going to come back it's going to come back it's not going to come back right. right and then so so then when you start to think about you know hours of operation or how you operate the restaurant again going back to this move faster okay so listen move faster right what are we going to do about it stop talking about recovery um you know the other thing dana with, with staffing is you know, as everyone has just been throwing money at the problem, I'll pay yeah. a dollar more. I'll, I'll do this and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what um, what this labor pool? What's really compelling to them to come to work in a restaurant, which is really hard, really rewarding, but really hard. And it may not just be. It may not just be my hourly wage. It might be: Do I get another week of vacation? Do I get this? Mm-hmm. Do I get that? And so everything is under consideration at this point. But what it's going to impact ultimately is, 
it's going to impact, you know, can I be open every hour of the day? Because people just may not want to come open a restaurant at 6 a.m. and serve breakfast, right? So how do you how do you how do you kind of pivot and find some other ways to make it uh, make it work? Right. And I think for the <clears throat> again, from the conversation I'm having for the first time in a long time, a first time in a long time, some of these legacy brands are allowing those conversations to happen where there used to be much stronger mandates. People are now a little more flexible with these conversations, which is kind of nice, right? Everyone's listening and working more collaboratively than maybe in the past. <clears throat> yeah. Here's one for you, Dana. Will we, you know, as we're, I think you saw in the Wall Street Journal last week, um, mm -hmm. big sell-off of commodities and, you know, is this kind of preview of um you know maybe we're, we're past peak inflation and, and and things will start to start to improve but um you know is there a time and place that restaurants take back price you know and again previously you would say there's no way we would ever do that but you know are you gonna have to do that have we just gotten to be so expensive that you know you're gonna change you know i think 10 to 15 years of consumer behavior that we all eat out all the time and you uh -huh. know we're all foodies and this and that. And do you just say, you know what? I don't want to spend 20, $25 for a fancy cocktail and I don't want to spend $35 for an appetizer. And you know, um, and do 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 prices have to go back to somewhere where it's Dan and Chris go to, you know, go to go to a happy hour and uh, have an appetizer and you and I can get out of there spending, you know, maybe 50 bucks each instead of the $100 each that it, that it would cost today. Right, and even happier and all that, but even where I am now, the restaurant that me and my friends always said, oh, that's the fancy special occasion restaurant, hasn't taken price the way everybody else did. And it's now become one of our least expensive nights out. And that was a, a big conversation this week. And I'm just like, how do, how do people do this? So wow. what I did was I got a barbecue and I learned to cook and I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> One go. day I'm going to learn how to go fishing. Um, anyway, so Chris, I love talking to you. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. I know it took a while to figure out timing, but I'm happy we did. And we'll get together soon. Look forward to it, Dana. Thank you for inviting me to this. This was fun. Thank you. I'll speak to you later. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to all of our listeners to the Dana Delivers by Apio podcast. If you like today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Dana Delivers brought to you by Apio, a premier accounting and business advisory firm with offices across the U.S. and clients around the globe.